And these alienating ways of thinking compromise our ability to engage in a manner that is ultimately life-serving. Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. Today, February 7th, marks the anniversary of Marshall Rosenberg's death nine years ago in 2015. It seems so long ago to me. I still vividly remember the day I learned of his death, how I was overcome with shock and grief. Marshall was a truly great teacher and inspiration to me. Meeting him was nothing short of life-changing. I woke up to the world with very different eyes after I met him in person in the year 2000. It was the first workshop of many that I attended over the years to follow. I've dedicated this episode to him, and I'm going to be sharing a few of my favorite Marshall quotes. I believe I've shared this one in previous episodes, but it's one I never tire of. When I'm angry, three things are true. One, There's something I'm wanting that I'm not getting. Two, I'm telling myself it should be given to me. And three, I'm about to speak or behave in a way that virtually assures I will not get what I want. Every time I share that quote in a training, I'm asked to repeat it, which I'm always happy to do. It so powerfully illustrates how most of us do anger. Not very well. Marshall would bring to light that the manner in which most people express anger reduces the chances of them getting what they want and increases the likelihood of alienation and even violence. And as NVC teaches us, it's not the anger that is the problem, but rather our thinking about the situation and our poorly considered knee-jerk reaction. That is the problem. Marshall would often use the term suicidal thinking to illustrate that most people have the unfortunate habit of getting in their own way when it comes to expressing what they would like. Here's the next quote. Nonviolent communication is founded on language and communication skills that strengthen our ability to remain human even under trying conditions. It contains nothing new, All that has been integrated into NVC has been known for centuries. The intent is to remind us about what we already know, about how we humans were meant to relate to one another, and to assist us in living in a way that concretely manifests this knowledge. I appreciate this quote, which was very often how Marshall opened his workshops. I appreciate it because it would make clear to the audience that, in fact, much of what he would be sharing was already known to them. Of course, it would become evident during the course of the training that even though we might know these things on some level, during much of our operating lives, we resort to ineffective strategies learned from our families of origin and society that stem from alienating ways of thinking. And these alienating ways of thinking compromise our ability to engage in a manner that is ultimately life-serving. In other words, we humans can easily lose our way 
and stray from life-serving modes of thinking, speaking, and behaving. And it's important that we be reminded. Let's move to criticism. I think most listeners experience criticism as a mode of thinking and speaking that gets in the way of people being able to collaborate. Marshall has much to say on the subject of criticism. For instance, criticism is never honest. Mm, I love that one. Some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, how can that be? Well, NVC encourages and promotes the understanding that we can best express our aliveness by speaking our feelings and needs. Criticism, though, is how we speak our judgments, not our feelings and needs. For instance, a person can say, you know what? You're the most narcissistic person I've ever met. Or they could say, hey, when you jump the line, I feel troubled because I want to be considerate of those who arrived here before we did. Can you tell me what prompted you to do that? The need, of course, is consideration for others. Do you hear the difference between those two messages? NVC is relational and provides an opening for deeper engagement. I'm not saying the conversation will be easy. I'm saying, though, that it keeps the line of communication open. To call someone a narcissistic person is to, in this case, assign a debatable label and avoid the work of revealing our deeper aliveness. Judging the person as narcissistic almost guarantees the person will be combative and say things like, I'm not a narcissist. Look who's calling the kettle black. Not a great starting point for a conversation. A person can't argue jumping the line, however. It actually occurred. Nor can our feelings and needs be argued. They belong to us fully. If I say I feel troubled, no sane person will argue with me about it. They might try to get me to feel differently, but they won't say, no, you don't feel troubled. Okay, I know some listeners have had people tell them that they don't feel what they say they feel. But I'm speaking here about people who possess sufficient emotional intelligence to understand feelings as legitimate. To value being considerate of others is also legitimate. So in the NVC understanding, criticism is never honest. Here's another arresting quote. And before I share it, I need to let listeners know that Marshall used puppets in his trainings and workshops. He used a giraffe puppet as an example of compassionate nonviolent communication and a jackal puppet as an example of alienating communication. Marshall refers to both the giraffe and jackal in the following piece spoken at a workshop. There is no such thing as criticism. What we hear as criticism is a painful expression of please. There is no criticism. If you are a giraffe, there is no criticism. It does not exist. You are aware that what used to look like criticism when you wore jackal ears, you now see as a suicidal, tragic expression of an unmet need. That's all you hear a need that's being expressed in a way that's going to be hard to get met by anyone that doesn't have giraffe ears on. As Marshall wrote in his book, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life, most of us grew up speaking a language that encourages us to label, compare, demand, and pronounce judgments, rather than to be aware of what we are feeling and needing. He later writes, 
Often, the use of vague and abstract language can mask oppressive interpersonal games. I'll give you an example. It hurts me when you ignore my phone calls. Mm, that's a hard one. I hope you're getting a better idea of how so much of the language we use gives us the exact opposite of what we would like in our relationships, especially in those relationships we most rely on for our personal well-being. When I met Marshall 24 years ago, hearing him speak was electrifying. I absolutely wanted to learn how to speak clearly and honestly, to reframe hard-to-hear messages as expressions of feelings and needs, and especially to not fall into the all-too-familiar trap of defending myself against criticism only to increase emotional volatility and finally lose all possibility of connection. You know how it goes. I wanted that destructive dynamic gone from my life. I left my first workshop with the mantra running through my head, feelings and needs, feelings and needs, feelings and needs. I began looking at every exchange through the lens of feelings and needs. It was enormously helpful and I encourage listeners to do exactly that if you're wondering how to stop living in a world of criticism and defensiveness. This last piece that I wish to offer is on the subject of punishment. This from a workshop. Giving people an option to willingly serve life is a far more powerful way to motivate people than reward or punishment. The only time we need to use punishment and reward is to oppress people. When what you're asking them to do doesn't serve life, but it serves the shareholders. Marshall speaks at length about punishment in his book, Teaching Children Compassionately How Students and Teachers Can Succeed with Mutual Understanding. Let's strive for no punishment from this point on. Punishment is at the root of violence on our planet. There are ways of maintaining social rules and regulations that do not involve any kind of punishment. If we ask two questions of ourselves, we will see that punishment never works. First question, what do we want the other person to do? Now, if we only ask that question, one can make an argument for punishment. You can probably think of times when you know that somebody was influenced to do something either by being punished for what they had done or out of a threat of punishment. However, when we add the second question, we see that punishment never works. What is the second question? What do we want the other person's reasons to be for doing as we request? Now, for most people raised in our culture, they can't imagine what a world would look like without punishment. They have horrible images of anarchy, chaos, a world where nothing would ever get done. It's a hard concept to let go of until you really get clear about those two questions. If you don't get clear about those two questions, you can often end up thinking punishment works when it really doesn't. I'm going to repeat Marshall's important second question. What do we want the other person's reasons to be for doing as we request? When Marshall spoke about punishment, it wasn't uncommon for people to object just as he states in what I shared. Most people can't imagine what a world would look like without punishment. That's how used to punishment we have become. 
Being used to something, however, isn't evidence that the thing we're used to is good for us or good for the world. It would be important for me at this point to say something about protective use of force, which is distinctly different from punitive use of force. To separate children, for instance, so they stop hitting each other and calm down would be seen as a protective measure. As long as we make clear, that's what we're doing. We wouldn't scream, go to your rooms immediately, no TV or phones, and don't come out until I say so. That would be punitive. But if you calmly and firmly separate the kids and say, okay, that's enough. You're clearly upset with each other. I'm going to separate you both. You're going to sit over here on this side of the room and you're going to sit here on this side. Here's a book for each of you. Once you calm down, we'll discuss what happened. That's protective use of force. You make sure that the offending behavior comes to a stop and you make it clear that a discussion will follow so that the behavior can be spoken about in the context of feelings and needs. You want to resolve the conflict and come up with effective strategies to address the needs in question. It's the difference between restorative justice and retributive justice. There's so much more to say. There are so many more quotes. Marshall could speak with incredibly piercing insight on the human condition while offering powerful options to help his audiences live more humanely and more consistently with human values. I'm going to end this episode with the following workshop quote. All that's coming at you ever from other people is please or thank you. That's the only two things that human beings are ever saying. Please and thank you. And both of them are precious messages if you hear them accurately. The thank you is a celebration of life. Life has been made more wonderful. The please is an opportunity to make life more wonderful. To you, dear Marshall Rosenberg, I say thank you. Because of you, I learned to see the world through different eyes You challenged my thinking and helped me to engage with the world and her creatures, human and non-human, with increased clarity, discernment, and generosity. Meeting you was a tremendous gift. A thousand thank yous. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous.